0: Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of gamingtrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett.
1: Hello there.
0: And Noah Rigsby.
1: Hello.
0: On this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on. We talk about games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago and games you just absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in some news this week. David got his hands on and reviewed the new Sherlock Holmes. Noah has been grinding out the latest MLB the show, and I have finally set Destiny 2 Lightfall down for good and picked up Fire Emblem Engage instead. At last, it's been on my playlist for a while. So, let's just get this thing started. David, you've been playing yes. Sherlock Holmes. How is it?
1: Well, sherlock holmes uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier i believe that this is what remakes aspire to be uh i know that's a really <laughs> hot take on it uh, especially we are in a day and age that you're we are getting some i mean stellar remakes this year we've already gotten dead space remake we've already gotten resident evil 4 remake. And I, I do think that those are in this category. So let me go ahead and just set the record straight. I don't think it's just Sherlock Holmes, there's a lot of them that are in here. But what I'm getting at with what makes Sherlock Holmes a bit unique is The Awakened is a remake, but it's also where Sherlock Holmes is going next. So to, to kind of make a little more sense of this in chapter one, they kind of restarted Sherlock Holmes, if that makes sense. Um, they the the Frog Wars team has reset the series with Chapter One. Chapter One went into more of an open world uh, story of Sherlock kind of doing solving his first cases and, and being this younger man that was doing all these different things and having to go through a whole lot of of, of tough things because the first game actually it, it, Chapter One at least. He's trying to figure out what happened with his mother. Uh, and you, you kind of see a bit of Sherlock's the issues with his mind as he goes through it. And that is already kind of on the table. But what's really interesting is the team at Frogwares, instead of just moving into whatever chapter two is, uh, which they are dealing with the fact that they're in the middle of, they, they are in the Ukraine. So they're dealing with an actual war. Uh, so I- instead of having to completely go fresh and new and rebuild everything from scratch or or just do some generic sequel using what they built in Chapter 1 and do something quickly, they went ahead and took a game from their past. Uh, the Awakened came out in about 2006, and in 2006, Sherlock Holmes' games looked very different than they do now. <laughs> a lot of games looked a lot different than they do now what's cool about this is they went, they took the base story of the game, and they said, okay, that's what we're going with. So what exists here, a lot of it is going to be familiar. Like this, uh, I actually did go back and watch some footage of the original game, uh, especially with, like, when I was talking about the comparisons of these particular scenes, and there's a lot that happens exactly the same because, of course, they're using the same story. Uh, Even down to there's a moment where in this scene that we're watching, uh, there's a girl that's in a wheelchair and she starts yelling. Uh, That actually happens in the Awakened game (laughs) back in 2006. So the coolest thing that they've done is they've taken this game and they've put Chapter 1 Sherlock Holmes into it. So they've taken the story and sort of retrofitted it in to be a a I don't want to say 1.5 but it's kind of a 1.5 in the sense of this is where we're going in the next stories of Sherlock Holmes. So it they're they're taking the Sherlock that is uh, in my mind Alex Jordan, he's the one who's the voice of Sherlock who's done the performance. He is one of the best Sherlock Holmes performances that I've seen. Uh in that that is, That is throughout the different Sherlock Holmes. I'm not saying he is the best, but he's definitely in the top tier of them. So it's really cool that we're able to get his performance and his style of Sherlock Holmes in this, especially when the style of Sherlock Holmes that was in the 2006 game is very different. It's more the stuffy uh, one from the books is the easiest way to put that original Sherlock Holmes. Whereas this one is, there's a lot more personality to Sherlock, which part of that comes with the territory of they're able to inject a lot more personality into a video game now compared to 2006. um, Especially with the way that they're able to develop the characters.
0: So Um, there's some dialogue going on. You want to, can we take a moment to hear what he sounds like? Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, which Dr.
1: Watson's talking right now and it'll switch it over in a second. Second. He Sherlock is actually in a disguise. So you have he to may sound it. a little different. Oh, do I have to unmute it? Okay. Yeah, I think you do.
2: Yeah. Nurse, if you'd be so kind as to escort Dr. Watson to the guest room,
1: it should switch over here in a second.
2: From Northwood agency. How an expert yeah, to be clear. This is not Sherlock sure Holmes talking
0: <laughs> I would be happy to answer your question. We'll hear David's impersonation in here in a few seconds. Room. Look, professor unless you got any clues as to the whereabouts
1: of <laughs> Yeah, this scene right here is what actually I, is actually happens in the 2006 original.
0: <laughs> I should just Okay, rewind it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I should probably actually fast forward because he's talking in his disguise voice. Oh, okay. I got So let me see if I can get it to where Sherlock's going to be talking a little bit more there we go as as I click on things he will start talking about them
0: raw materials
1: used to formulate medicine
0: it's very buttery smooth
1: yes except so love Jordan's performances like he he's very good at what he does
0: the final product ready to cure madness or to push one deeper into its grasp. With this equipment, they can create any type of medication. Yeah, that's that definitely sounds like yeah. What you would expect Sherlock Holmes to sound like. I guess it's kind of that, you know, um that picture perfect British <laughs> type of Yeah. Expectate expectation, you know.
1: Well, and the cool thing is when you get into some conversations as well as the actual dialogue in in cutscenes and whatnot it, it comes across even more so and occasionally what's what's interesting is at the beginning of this game so the whole premise of this game is you are actually delving into what ends up being a cult <laughs> like it, it actually is the the mytho that it's believers behind the Cthulhu myth, Mythos. So there's – and there's a lot going on, and because of Sherlock already having so many issues from before with, in Chapter 1, where you can kind of tell he, he his mind was still not – he was still having issues from his past, from his childhood, you, you start – Sherlock starts the game as a lot more of this confident, uh, almost – we all know Sherlock is arrogant. <laughs> He he just that's how he comes. He knows everything, so he's he comes across arrogantly. He he starts off as that as you continue through this game, the performances is just continues to get better because a lot of kind of hallucinations and whatnot happen with Sherlock and who knows what's real, what isn't. But you can see they actually even using uh, what they do with his facial features and whatnot, you can see the bags under his eye. You can see the sleeplessness in his face. And Alex Jordan's performance begins to accompany that beautifully and how his dialogue comes across, how all of this goes. And that's one of the pinnacles of this game is they did a really great job of showing just Sherlock's entire psyche is fracturing. <laughs> and that's on full display and it's you know how it goes it's not enough just to just to be like okay this is what's happening you have to show how it's happening it's a, the, it's the algebra problem of a video game it's not enough just to solve something you've got to show how you got there and they do a wonderful job of this whole entire tale showing how sherlock is this place now I will say this, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm not spoiling anything, but the way the game ends does have a lot of hopelessness in it. And that's the only thing that I'm not very fond of, because I love Sherlock as a character, and I don't want to feel like he's just a broken man (laughs) at the end of this. And I hope that they find a way to add some redemption into his, his arc and whatever chapter two is because this still while this is still is a another game it does feel like more of a a it doesn't feel like a full next chapter given it is a remake like this is just the next page of the story uh, in between the chapters filling in what's what's to come next so i i really hope that they they go further but it's 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 very cool to see how they've put together this an older game and been able to make it work into this uh, as well as they've added Dr. Watson into this one. Uh, this is his first time working with him. Uh, I really like the performance from Dr. Watson. I, I didn't actually look up to see who actually did the voice on this one, but especially as the story continues to wear on, you you really start to appreciate Watson and the fact of he's this, He's this only friend that Sherlock has pretty much, and he's the one that keeps Sherlock in reality, keeps him connected. Because uh, Sherlock, once again, as I said, as you continue to the end of this game, you, you, Sherlock's questioning like his existence, it feels like, as things continue to happen. And if not for what Dr. Watson does, he, he would just completely disintegrate. Um, You even get a couple of chances to play as Dr. Watson, and some of the – while it's roughly the same thing, just without Sherlock's investigation button, uh, as you get to the end, there's some ways that they do the puzzle. They do some puzzles and whatnot, and man, that is some of the best parts of the gameplay, and I really hope that they bring that over to Chapter 2 because – using both characters sim- in different moments during that second chapter ends up working really well and is a strength to, to how they end the game. Uh, as you'll see in some of the gameplay that we're watching, uh, the gameplay is nothing that is too over the top, and if you've played Chapter 1, you know what's here. It, it's pretty much you go into a room and you try to click on anything that shows up to be clicked on. Uh, you're you're just trying to see what is what. Some things are just going to be you click on it and Sherlock makes a remark on it. Other things are going to draw you into an investigation scene where you're going to have to look in an area for specific things. And all of those things are meant to bring you to solving the larger puzzle as a whole, which is, uh, it actually says it on the screen here, that it's the mind palace. There's actually a place where the questions pop up of things you need to solve and then you have to take these pieces you've picked up through the levels and then choose which one fits answering your question. Uh, so I believe, I don't believe it's this one specifically, but the, it, you come up on a point where there is a, actually this is a, you have to solve how to get past a guard uh, who, or a, who's, keeping you from getting to the next block. And then you go into your mind palace and you're looking through the things you've picked up. And I picked up some metal tubes and some syringes and stuff. And I'm able to click on all those things and essentially make a, a blow gun, which that doesn't happen very often as you actually creating something to use in the world. Uh, but here it's one of the ways that you solve this. So it, it it's a neat idea that, that works really well in these games of having to Once again, you're the detective. You're having to deduce how to move forward, and I like how they do that.
0: I find it hysterical. They call it a palace. That looks nothing like a palace. It looks like a membrane (laughs) with nerves sticking out of it, and then they stretch out to these ideas. (laughs) Yep, There's nothing palace-like about that.
1: What I do find funny is I. it took me a while to figure out some of this stuff at this point. Uh, that's why I keep clicking around on different things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because yeah. I didn't understand exactly how everything was designed. That's something actually that uh, I mentioned in the review. And I actually mentioned it in my first review. Is that these games do not handhold at all. Uh, that These are... You're the detective. You figure it out. <laughs> so... there's not a lot of... I'm not going to say there's no tutorials, but there's not a lot of them. And if you don't take the time to look at, like in the menu, there's actually something that says how to play. If you don't pay attention to that, you're not going to know what some of these icons mean because they're not going to walk you through what they mean. Sure. Because with with each of these different things, as you pick up new pieces of evidence or clues or whatnot, it, it actually... Once again, it works its way through in your casebook, so you got to go into your casebook, look at these different pieces, and then, for instance, like with one of the pieces of evidence with the casebook, when I was looking at it, I suddenly realized, oh, I need to pin this as the main thing that I'm working on. And from there, with looking at it as the main thing I was working on, I noticed there was another icon on it beyond telling me that it was supposed to be pinned that was essentially saying that I needed to talk to people. (laughs) In the NPCs in my environment to get information. Uh, and, and essentially I had to go to a a certain area and in that area I had to talk to people. And that was, a, I was able to find like this guy's shop specifically that was able to get information on where his shop was and then go there. Other times it'll show up like a, an, an eye, and that's that you need to be looking in your environment for clues using the investigation um investigation button to be able to find stuff so the the game is intuitive it's that you have to pay attention and know what you're looking for uh there that includes even there was one scene that i was at uh, a crime scene and turns out i had to completely leave the crime scene and almost start trying to go out of the level in order to trigger the next thing Uh, not this specifically, but one of the levels that I was doing. And man, it's like, sheesh, (laughs) that there was nothing telling me that that was what I was supposed to do in the slightest. I just had to come to figure that out and kind of do it on accident. And there are some times that you, you may kind of solve something on accident, but it really is up to you to be like, okay, have I clicked everything here? All right. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. (laughs) The, the, Frogwares is, they, they don't handhold. And that might, some might not appreciate that, some may not like that, but that's, you know, it's it's an investigation game. You're supposed to be trying to, if they give you everything up front, I, I'd like a hint, some form of hint system, but if they give you everything up front, you're, you're not going to get as much enjoyment out of the game. At that point, it almost becomes a flip book.
0: I agree. Um, and not every game can... Can do that. Exactly. Uh, Not every
1: game can get away with it. Um, One thing that is really good with this one, uh, they call this a semi open world, not an open world like Cordona was in chapter one. And most people would think, oh man, we got downgraded, but it is actually a pretty meaty game overall. Uh, I think I put about eight, 10 hours into it, which to me i like games like that that i can just put that much time into and i'm done uh not every game has to be 200 hours long <laughs> uh this one also feels uh, there's very few things that feel like padding uh there cuz there are a couple of side uh missions that you can do in the open semi-open levels uh there like the only one that was padding so to speak is Sure. They give you the option to go and find wanted posters around the town and there are 10 of them that Sherlock wants for his collection. That's really it. And I'll be honest, I went and did it just because I actually it actually was fun looking for the wanted posters. (laughs) Like if you do it occasionally and I think I bring this up actually in the review is if you put the right dosage of it in, it's okay. it's when every other thing... It's when I'm having to look for 200 feathers in Assassin's Creed. That's when I get frustrated. <laughs> like, those are the issues. I gotta find 10 posters. Okay, cool. Like, this is nothing compared to some of these other games with collectibles. Uh, and it's one instance of it. Uh, the And it's in the town where one of the best side missions is, where it's this, uh, it's this story called Cole's Tragedy, and it's about this uh, this man living in a shack in New Orleans, and there's going to be some stor- story spoilers here for anybody who wants to skip over uh, for this mission in particular. But he says that uh, there is a spirit essentially after him, and turns out he made some concoction tea kind of thing that somebody told him how to make. And they gave him the wrong ingredient, so he was hallucinating. turns out it's because he bought it from his sister-in-law, who – he had been involved in an incident with her husband, which was his brother, and his brother had gotten shot and killed. And so she intentionally had did that to him, not trying to kill him, per instance, not trying to – do these things, but she felt like he deserved whatever he got out of it. And you go, you review the, what actually happened, uh, in, in the situ- in the actual incident. And you don't solve a crime in it or anything like that, but you go back and you talk to him and just say, look, there was nothing you could have done. And, and it's this beautiful tale in the end of just remorse and how this, this guy feels like he's responsible for his brother dying and how and Sherlock is just saying, look, you know, she'll never have a chance to forgive you if you're dead, if you kill yourself. Because he he want, almost wanted to die in that instance uh, with what was going on. And it's like I said, and it's it's just such a heart wrenching tale. And they do such a good job of personifying a lot of these characters, like a, a lot of the side, these side little side things Uh, you you are are just really well-written. Like, you you just didn't... The the whole main story is well-written, but when you get off the beaten path and get to talk, which they did the same thing in Chapter 1, but when you get to solve these side cases, like, it's nice when I get a game that it's like, oh, pretty much everything I'm doing in this game is enjoyable. (laughs) I'm not hitting these moments. Like... For, for reference, and there's not like a ton of trophies, but I got to the end of the game, and I think there are 28 trophies. I have 25 of them. Like, to be able to get the, the, all of these trophies is pretty cool, because a lot of them are just choose certain things as you're going through and make certain choices, and some of them revolve around the side. So it's like, okay, you made this stuff engaging so that I'm actually enjoying doing it to the point that I have almost every trophy. And I do plan on going back and getting the last... Technically, it's the last two things I have to do because it'll trigger the Platinum. But it's like, oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Like, all this stuff was so fun that I just kept doing all of it naturally. And not enough games naturally get you to do achievements. It's always, I have to track this. I have to do this. I have to do that. This was, oh, I'm just enjoying myself, and I've managed to do all of this anyway. <laughs> so it's not necessarily perfect, but it's enjoyable. And I think enjoyability is actually a lot higher on the list than perfection most of the time when it comes to video games, because there's video games that can be perfect, but if I don't like playing them, <laughs>
0: well, then it they wouldn't matter. be perfect, would they? Yeah. <clears throat> all right. But
1: it's it's a it's a very good it's a great triple a double a game like this is a, a great indie studio. Uh, I I if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, we did interview uh, their sound designer and got to talk with him a little while back. it's It's just a really it's a fun game and I hope a lot of people will pick it up.
0: Very nice. All right. Uh, You reviewed it, so what score did you give it?
1: Score, I gave it an 85 out of 100. That's I, I thought it's a, a riveting tale. Uh, The gameplay doesn't change a whole lot compared to previous chapter one, but it didn't need to change much. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, the, the final chapter is uh, just very well. There's, there's The final two chapters are, are just great. I, I really enjoyed my time with it.
0: Very nice. All right. So that's Sherlock Holmes.
1: The Awakened.
0: Noah, you have been playing MOB the show. I hear it's a lot. So hit us with your thoughts on that
2: it it is a lot um this this is the part of the show where if you need to go to the bathroom or grab snacks and you're not a sports fan this is the time to go <laughs> this is this is your
0: uh a lot of people enjoy break. the show
2: yeah. um but yeah so i do apologize if i sound different i'm dealing with some tooth some some teeth pains and issues so um i'll try not to ramble as i normally um do so MLB it's it's a yearly sports release. There's lots of them. Um, it is the top dog of baseball has been for many years. It is a simulation of the sport. It tries to aim, it aims to make it as realistic as possible. Um, the gameplay, you can't really change much about baseball. It is still baseball. It still plays at its core the exact same over many years. Um, The show's biggest obstacle in each year is trying to get new people into the franchise at a premium price tag. So because everybody who is like me, who is a baseball fanatic, who enjoys the show, um, you don't have to sell them on the game. Uh, In my years in the retail industry, um, you didn't have to, you know, if somebody has already is a fan of MLB The Show, they will be back every year to pre-order and pick up the game. Um, You have to try and get people who have not played the show, who are interested in a baseball game, into the franchise. Um, Normally, with most titles, um, I would always say, hey, pick up one of the previous years. Um, entries it's a lot cheaper <laughs> because they release them every year and gameplay wise it's not you're not going to notice enough to warrant paying 60 dollars for the new the new guy out this year for the first time i feel like in a long time i actually think it's worth picking up the fresh you know hot off the press entry mm-hmm. um for a couple reasons um the biggest one i'll get to Um, shortly, but, uh, I don't, the great thing about reviewing MLB is I don't have to explain, you know, how the game works because everyone knows how baseball works. You swing, you see the ball, you hit the ball, you know, it's the same. Um, so you get to talk about what additions were made, um, improvements, and then things that, you know, that they missed out on, Because visually, impressive as always, it's slowly becoming more, you know, it's going to be slowly harder to detect what is the game and what is actually real life baseball, because (laughs) the animations and the facial structures are so realistic. Um, They've added, I I believe it was over 5,000 new animations into the game, not only on the offensive side, but defensive so it's it's just a very pretty to look at. <laughs> um, so that's and that's expected. You you expect them to get better every year. You know it, it's kind of usually a shock if you if they downgrade um, gameplay wise. Very fluid, very consistent. Uh, you one of the most fun ways to swing. You know when you're hitting and stuff is using the analogs. Um, to hit and then when you're pitching, you can use the analogs to kind of trace the path that you want the ball to take. Um, I feel like this year was definitely the most consistent than previous years where I would, what I felt like, you know, would trace the exact same pitch, it would not land where I spotted it. So I, I appreciate the consistency. I like consistency in games. So now that, you know, you get the basics out of the way. Yes, it looks good. Looks pretty, plays good, plays really responsive. the The newest edition is the reason I would say to buy this game at full price. Pick it up and learn something. Uh, they added a new game mode called Storylines, the Negro Leagues, and it is brilliant. It is the shining achievement of this game. Um, And from everyone that I have talked to, read about, everyone is praising this mode, and rightfully so. Um, It is, let me see, I mean, I have not wrote down who they actually partnered with. Here we go. Yeah, let me scroll over because I have my notes here. So San Diego Studios is the guys who made the game. They partnered with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And their president, um, Bob Kendrick, is the president. I was looking for the name. So he does this. It's a mixture of gameplay, like scripted gameplay scenarios. He mixes that with, it's almost like if you've ever walked through like a history museum or an art exhibit, and then like you see this screen vi- in a video place and it's t- like gives you an intro to like the scenario or whatnot, it's basically him doing that. And it's him talking about, there's, I think it's like eight in total um, players from the Negro leagues era who some of them are names that people recognize like satchel page and jackie robinson Uh, but a lot of them are forgotten in the history books because that was not a a very segregated time and so there's a lot of overcoming obstacles and stuff like that and it gives you insight into not only what these players went through but also what they did for the sport um And it's amazing. And he sits down, he's talking to you like you're just having a chat over lunch. It's very personable. Um, me, I grew up hearing stories of baseball legends and icons, and I'm just eating it up. Like stories around the campfire. I'm on every word, I'm you know, absorbed (laughs) into what he's saying. And you it's just inspiring to hear what um not only what they did for the sport, but what they did for just each other and the franchises and to help each other out because um, there's so many of these where it's like, Oh, Rube Foster. Yeah. You don't know him. Well, you know, these like A, B, C, and D um, like white guys who were infamous in the given baseball. It's like, yeah, he taught them how to pitch, you know? So in things like that, you just, it's so real, it, it's such a good insight and it's perfectly crafted uh, man. Is it well done. <laughs> so the flow of it, now that I can get off my little rant about it, the flow of it is he'll give like an intro and then you'll go into a simulated uh, script like the situation or a story that he just told. So he would tell these like stories that you're like, there's no way that's true. He's like, no, it was it was true. Um, and then you'll simulate. And it's usually, a lot of it's pitching. Um, so it's like, hey, you have to pitch This one inning, strikeout, two batters, don't give up a walk. And it's reminiscent of what he did in this specific moment of a game. Um, my favorite one to play was uh it was with Satchel Page, and he was playing against a batter who trash talked him a little bit. Said, you know, like we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna score some runs, we're gonna get a hit off you. We just we had a guy just got a hit off you. And And I can't tell it nearly as well as Bob did, but basically Satchel told not only the infield, but the outfield as well to come on in. And, you know, they took a couple steps in. He's like, no, 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 come all the way in. And so he had his entire infield and outfield take a knee behind the pitcher's mound. And he threw, it was like three innings without giving up a hit or a run. And so, so that was his,
1: equi- that was his equivalent of six, two, six, two, six, that was, two.
2: That was his equivalent <laughs> of, you will not get another hit. So
0: I think it was a little that, better than that. Oh, yeah,
2: <laughs> it, it was, it's just so incredible. And then, you know, you go through and it's like, you have to pitch three innings and the stuff, and it gives you their actual, um, I guess, arsenal of pitches and it's simulated like they dress they you're literally pitching a satchel page which is just a dream um and the stuff that you wield is nasty (laughs) like i know it's game but the stuff and it even is named for what the pitchers themselves name their pitches so it is the reason to pick it up um you'll instantly become a fan of it. It's such a well-done addition. And the good news is that was season one. They've talked in each, you know, of the coming entries of MLB, they're going to do new seasons. So hopefully in MLB 2024 with whoever's on the cover of it, we'll get season two with more, you know, untold stories and additions to the game. Um. So yeah, that is, man, it's such a, and it's hard to talk about it. It's, you definitely have to see it and experience it because once you do, you'll, you'll become a big fan. Um, So that is, that is the big.
0: The show is on Game Pass, isn't it?
2: It is. Yep. That's, um, I I talked about it briefly in my review that um, since going to Game Pass is, helped the franchise so much in terms of growth Because you're no longer on one specific platform, you have another fully. You know, it's so it's seeing a lot of success and growth. And yeah, you, you know, if you want to drop sixty to support them, you know, go right ahead. I I would not stop you. But yeah, it's on Game Pass. Try it out. Um, It's it's almost you don't have to like oh I need to play, you know, a couple exhibition games to unlock it. Like no, you can just start it off and. Um, you can put it on whatever difficulty, so it's it's a great, I guess, trekker history. So I'm
0: gonna check that out.
2: Yeah, it's I can't I can't talk about it enough. Um, all the other modes, for the most part, are improved upon just slightly. Like everything's pretty good. There's just nothing overhauled about it, which they've got such a good formula. They're really just tweaking it at this point. Um, They've added captain cards into Diamond Dynasty, which once you, which Diamond Dynasty, I guess you should explain that because if you don't, if you're not a MLB the show guy, you have no clue. But it's basically you mix baseball card collecting with gameplay. So you collect these cards and you'll have players that you can use on your team to either play against people online or the computer. They've added captain cards, which are notable players throughout the league that if you get them to a certain tier, your overall team gets stat boosts as like a flat team stat boost. That that was that was nice. Um, the other modes stay the same. Their modes have been around forever. Franchise, you control your team, you know, road to the show is this is where I get to go in to the, uh, the cons, the missteps. I talked about the high. I'll just briefly talk about the low um so road to the show is nothing new that is a definite misstep in my part because i like taking my player from the farm clubs increasing my stats moving to the big leagues um it's pretty much copy paste from previous years no innovations no real reason to experience it's you know again um my other, my only other big um, negative about MLB is that wrote to the Show, um, along with Stubbs, which is, Stubbs is the microtransaction element of MLB. It's the way that you buy packs for Diamond Dynasty, because you can buy packs that give you... It's like opening regular you know magic the gathering card packs you can get some good players you know you're looking for pulls um so your the in-game currency and any saved data none of it was able to be imported over from the previous year um i don't know if that was due to a technical limitation or you know what the reason is but um if you put all your time into starting a character Moving him up through the the minor leagues, playing multiple seasons to get drafted, and then playing multiple seasons to level him up in the big leagues, not being able to transfer him over into the next year doesn't feel good at all, in my opinion. No one likes starting over when you've put that much time. uh Same with stubs and save data. So, you know, if you spent, if you had like a hundred dollars worth of stubs left over in MLB. 22, it's not going to work in 23. So, you know, it's, and especially if you play Diamond Dynasty, which is the most popular game mode, that, that's not a good, a good feeling. Um, Yeah. Overall, if you're a baseball fan, I don't have to sell this game to you. <laughs> you're already got it. You know, you're already playing it. Um, It's, if you're not a baseball fan and you're wanting to try it out and see you you know why we love this franchise so much this is the year to just you know drop in say hello grab a hot dog you know all the fun stuff so yeah overall a, a very very good baseball game
0: nice that's uh i be the show 24 right
2: 23
0: okay i wasn't sure if they yeah They go the year ahead route. MLB is one of
1: the few that their season actually stays in the year that it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's everyone off, you know. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they pretty much release the show when baseball season starts. Yep. Spring training. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Uh, I played the first time I played the show was 21. Yep. 21. At home with my daughter i was like this is a good time to try this game out it's on game pass download this thing it's not on playstation anymore so i get to try it i liked it i liked it a lot i wanted to play more of it i heard the show 22 wasn't great so i yeah. didn't try that one yeah but.
2: it was it was kind of a copy paste and then you know this year was when i really stepped it up and moved a lot of the uh, modes forward to make it worth picking it up, you know, yeah. like, instead of I it being like, well, this should have been a patch, you know, <laughs> you know, with, right. with roster updates and graphics, the, the, uh, the storylines mode is just, it alone is worth the, the price of admission. Um, I, I can't say enough, um, positive things about it. So yeah, my review should be getting posted tomorrow as of the time of this recording, Friday, April 7th. So that's when it should be going up.
0: All right. I was gonna ask you for the score, but it ain't up yet. So I right.
2: mean, I I've scored it in 85, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so. so go read finished. it now after you after, you after then. you after you read AG, the Sherlock the, review, go read MLB. Yeah. If basically. you need some uh some good uh you know going to sleep you know if you're if you can't quite fall asleep and you want some bedtime reading uh check out some baseball reviews
0: keep in keep in mind baseball's on the upswing right now because they have made the pitch counts faster i'm gonna throw up
2: on podcast right now do not get me started on the full
0: the pitch you don't like you don't you don't like that
2: i hate it i hate it okay. so much okay my, my jimmies will get rustled
0: ah uh, there already are i can tell they are okay well
2: if you want a fast sport go watch nascar or something where they drive fast like people that's not things fast. to
0: do man this is hundred. Na- nascar is not fast man.
2: nba if you want fast nba nascar
1: NBA is, or hockey yeah nascar is so slow
2: because but it's five hundred laps, dude. Baseball is not a fast sport. It's a mental game. If you think otherwise, lose my number. I'll bring that segment back for a minute. If you, <laughs> we
0: geez. could debate that, and I think you would be pleasantly surprised by my arguments. Because baseball doesn't need to be that long. It does not. So it's we'll bad. it spent the game up there. like
2: thirty minutes.
0: That matters, <laughs> man. Single guy with nothing you guys to do. You guys
2: worried about the pitch clock left in the seventh inning anyway, so you already mm-hmm. left 30 minutes before the game even ended. Let us enjoy our slow, boring game.
0: <laughs> we would have stayed for the whole thing if it would have ended 30 minutes earlier.
2: <laughs> we all know who's going to win anyway. It's it's probably going to be Houston again. So
0: Quite possibly. Uh, all right. That's the show, though um yeah I'm, I'm gonna check that out all right so i don't know which one i should talk about first i guess i'll uh i'll talk about fire emblem first um it's it's not bigger than destiny 2 but i haven't played it i've been eager to play it it's been sitting uh in my switch for like two and a half months because i've been trying to finish all these long games like one piece odyssey and destiny 2 and overwatch all the seasons better than me booting up my switch well yeah
1: i went i went i was making space because i know stuff is coming up and i was looking and every game says last played over a year ago
0: yeah seriously so um i i like the switch um Dude, man, I wasn't even—I wasn't even ready for that yet. <laughs> yes, you are. You are ready? It's at yeah. your pitch count. Yeah, at need...
2: your pitch clock. Yeah, step into the box. Yeah. Hey, you like? Oh,
0: so yeah. if you were actually putting me on the pitch <laughs> clock and, and put me in broadcast mode, oh, I would absolutely oh, step no. up to the plate. Okay, I'd knock it out the park if you're gonna put me under pressure. Yeah. That's Okay.
2: There's your twenty seconds to get this, ready. Here you, you go. This is a pocket.
0: You always
1: knock. You always knock it out of the park, uh, Anthony. Not always, but
0: anyway. <laughs> um all right so my overarching thoughts about the little bit of fire emblem that i've played because i've i've gotten to chapter seven right now and at this point with everything that i'm seeing and i can tell i've played enough fire emblem it's been a while i didn't play fates the last one i played was awakening all right so i could tell i'm still in that early stage where it's like they're still kind of teaching you all the elements and you know all that stuff no i think you you played it right
2: um so (laughs) i wasn't talking about it
0: earlier on the podcast
2: i i started to and in the first like tutorial battle um i was like we'll just full send it and i lost the tutorial battle because i wasn't paying attention um and i felt so ashamed i haven't picked it up sense uh that's there's a reason to feel ashamed i
0: i I have never heard anybody fail the tutorial i was like
2: watching um a stream at a friend's house like while playing and so i was just not i was like oh i'll I'll outlive this and it tells you like if you're gonna outlive it and i just did not i was like yeah it's the tutorial you can't fail the tutorial and i did um so and i was like bro i'm i need to this has got to cook for a little bit i this game doesn't deserve me right now
0: i was hoping to have more of your thoughts but okay well at this point as much fire emblem as i have played and playing this one now which to everybody who plays even more regularly than i do they say this is more like traditional fire emblem I'm not sure what it, what else intelligence systems can do with Fire Emblem after this game because there is so much in it that I I'm like what else what else can you do? There are so many different systems, so many different ways to buff, so many different ways to change things and I'm like okay, all of it feels good. It doesn't feel overwhelming, it doesn't feel bloated, but it is a lot. And because it's so much it feels complete (laughs) like this this is fire emblem from now on and we're we're talking about this one is specifically about emblems and rings and these emblems and rings allow you to play as um old fire emblem heroes from past games uh particularly the ones before fire emblem started going heavy on conversation and personalities and um relationships that's the word i'm looking for so this was it was before that and so each ring gives your heroes different abilities that they couldn't have before so i have like a healer who is traditionally you know, just a, a character who walks with two feet and not a lot of movement space. But I gave her a ring with a, a paladin, a cavalry, uh, who rides on horseback. And not only does that give her more movement, it allows her to move multiple times, <laughs> like It's kind of nuts. And I love it because healers can be some of the most vulnerable units. And with this ring attached, I can now go in, heal a character, and then continue to move and get her out of danger. And if I activate the engage, which is basically taking the original character and combining them with the ring and, and like their powers now are blossomed out. Uh, I could do not only, I can attack even with this character. So, different things like that, and the considerations you have like, once you engage, you only have three turns to be able to do it. So, when you engage, what moves do you use? Who do you attack? Who do you give the ring to? You have things like uh, on field actions, like uh, um, chain attacks, where if you're standing next to a character, the character next to you will launch an attack first that does a little bit of damage, and then you'll do your actual attack. You have uh, weapon upgrades. So they're bond rings, which add extra stats to your character as you build them. There's so many different things now. It's just like, okay. It's hard to keep up with all of them because the turn-based nature of it, none of these things are happening at the same time. So you have to remember after each fight, oh, I can do this certain thing. And I got to remember, oh, yeah, let me let me go try to upgrade my bond rings or let me let me see if I can upgrade my weapon or let me determine is the ring that I have this character on the right person? Should I change that? So, So there's so many different things. And yet with all of it, it still feels like Fire Emblem that I've been playing before Fates, before even Awakening. And so there's, it feels like I'm riding a bike and yet it feels like I'm riding a bike with like all these extra gadgets on them that I that I get to use. I don't, it doesn't seem like I don't have to use them. But again, I'm not as far in the game as I could be. So maybe there comes to a position where I do have to use them. Um, but right now it doesn't feel like I have to. So if that is true throughout the whole game, I like that a lot. Because, you know, you could kind of play it the way you want, or you can really get into the nitty-gritty and flesh out the, all the characters in the game. Um, it, not to mention, there's still all the relational aspects to it, but it doesn't feel like something more along the lines of what I've heard with Fates. So, um but it, it's still more fleshed out than something like fire emblem seven on the original game Bo- or game boy advance, right? <laughs> original game, boy, the game boy advance. I really um, wish
1: you weren't showing all of this. Cause I've got a Nintendo voucher burning a hole <laughs> and I love these kind of games. So
0: yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, so yeah, at this point it just feels so stinking complete and just, there's so much to consider, and I love that about it. So at this point, I feel like Nintendo should just reduce the amount of fire emblems coming out a year. Granted, there hasn't been a lot, but keeps it like once a generation. Because like <laughs> at this point, I cannot figure out like, what else could you guys do with this besides creating dope levels and great stories? take the time to do that and yeah i'll play a new fire emblem that's huge every generation you know maybe two at most right now we only got what three houses and engage so on the switch Mm -hmm. feels about right to me just leave it there engage is Mm -hmm. great just don't even go any further i know they're trying to you know they've tried to go the Pokemon, right, with Fire Emblem at times, but with Birthright and uh, I forget what the the accompanying Conquest. Conquest, thank you. That I, all right? I bought Conquest. I think that was yeah. I. I forgot I did that. I didn't finish that one, but I did play some of it. That one, that one was pretty good. Uh, they from also what did what,
1: they also did the Warriors series.
0: Yeah, that's they a spinoff have two of, though.
1: Which they have the two of.
0: Yeah, one's on the Wii U originally i think and then the other one was on the switch yeah so that Both one of them was, were actually
1: available on the switch i believe though now now
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah three hopes and uh the three original hopes. warriors yeah
0: yeah but i'm talking about just mainline fire yeah. emblem games yeah uh, one to two at this point yeah just spread them out because i <laughs> what they have here i really like it now of course Whatever the next Fire Emblem they would make, probably wouldn't include this ring concept. So they would replace it with something. But in terms of everything else surrounding that mechanic, feels very complete. I just I'm like stick with that. There's so much to consider. Maybe new enemy types. I don't know. But uh, I think the best way to describe it everything feels subtle. Hmm. So I guess, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying. You can, you can play it as Fire Emblem regular, how, whatever generation you've been playing, or you can really engage in all the <laughs> systems. Um, I, and I will say specifically speaking about the emblems, they don't, they feel super-powered, but not overpowered. So there are limitations to them. Again, you can only keep it going for three turns. And if you see in the upper right corner, there's these little circle, glowing circles, or upper left corner, excuse me, little circles where if you put a character who has a ring in that circle, it'll recharge your ring. But clearly, they put it in places where it's not necessarily uh good opportunity for you <laughs> like you'll have to take a few more turns maybe possibly to utilize them and get them which could put you out of position which could m- mean you miss out on something cuz i i'm pretty sure there are levels in this game where if you complete it fast enough you unlock certain things whether that's an extra level or whatever the case may be so they do a lot of risk reward stuff even i mean in every single way it's not just uh, you know, you get to get powered up with this thing and just dominate everybody. And it's like, yeah, you kind of can for three turns, but once it's done, like, where are you at? Are you in a good position? Are you out of, pos- you know, like there, you, you gotta, you really gotta think about when you activate these things. It's not just given to you. And I'm playing on classic, so I am very much trying to keep all my units alive. I am playing on normal mode. Just because it's been a while from me playing Fire Emblem, but uh, yeah, i I can imagine if you play on harder or anything else, you're probably gonna have to use all the systems, um, which is fine. It's because again, it's not overwhelming. You just got to remember it's all there, <laughs> so that that's just the tricky part. I remember you Noah bringing up the hero originally, and. I forgot what you thought about it. The hero, the main hero. I remember you mentioned something like he was just too godlike and too perfect, I believe. Maybe that was you. Maybe that was somebody else.
2: I I don't think that was me. I have oh. slept since then, though. So there's a good chance it might have been.
1: Well, I was um, going to say that. So the dumbest thing about this fire emblem is the name.
0: <laughs> but in terms yeah. of engage.
1: So the 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 name David's engage. A fan of that. Yeah, I remember when it got out. am I'm not a fan, not like, a fan of gone. that name.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not the greatest fire emblem name, that's for sure.
2: And that and that's more what it is. It's not a good fire emblem name.
0: Yeah. Um
2: but I I like the main characters. I like the like red and blue color palettes that the game, you know, kind of themed with the main uh character but I'm also the anime guy, so I love all of this animation style and character design. So I, I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> Same. Um, it it was jarring at first to see the characters like, whoa, okay, that's it's bright red and blue. <laughs> it's My, it's right got the red face.
2: berry, blueberry, you know, split. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I was like, all right, they they went for it on this one, but, uh, two, it's fine.
2: I to be fair though. Um, it it kind of goes. I' not trying to call anime the you know a shtick or or a a meme, but like you can always tell who the main character is because they have the most like outlandish hairstyle oh, and hair color. Absolutely. So it's like you see him, and you're like main character. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it very easy.
0: You just line them up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everybody Who's else the main has character. Them. Everyone <laughs> else has guy. like
2: a, a normal range of hair color, and then you have the guy with the half shiny blue and red, and you're like.
0: So So I remember, maybe if I wasn't talking to you, I remember thinking, you know, the character, you know, uh, hearing the character is a little too perfect. He just knows what to do all the time. Uh, Things like that. Um, It feels very in line with other Fire Emblem heroes. They generally know what they want to do. They generally make good decisions. Um, I'm not sure why they don't get into more heroes who don't necessarily have an anti-hero feel to them, but uh, heroes that have more noticeable weaknesses other than I lack confidence, which is what this character has. They don't have confidence for some reason. Um, they are considered the divine dragon, and everybody worships the divine dragon. And you know they're just so shocked that oh my god, I get to meet the divine dragon! Oh my gosh, I get to fight with the divine Did dragon! You guys
2: see that? It's the divine dragon. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, One of the 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 mage's uh, lines is something along the lines of uh, "Oh my gosh, the divine dragon chose me." You know, it's just like, yeah, man, like we get we got to win yeah. this fight, so, and I need you to move to this position so you can. Throw a fireball at that guy. Appreciate it, bro. So, that the lack of confidence just seems like a weak way to show humanity of this really powerful character that everybody is like, I guess, learning that he's human, but still making really good decisions after being asleep for a thousand years and doesn't really know what's going on. It doesn't have the story about his mother and this war that he fought you know that she fought in a long time ago like he's missing a whole bunch of information but man he sure do, does know how to command an, an army so you know it's just like yeah. oh, oh and, and has confidence issues. so you don't really get a sense of like why is he this way like he's been asleep for a thousand years but why is he waking up and is just like oh i can't i can't believe that you guys would follow me you know it's like the freaking divine dragon, like you call yourself yeah. I'm the I'm the Divine Dragon. That's that's my name. Um, so that's weird, but other than that, the character's fine. I always harken back to Lynn in Fire Emblem 7, which was the first Fire Emblem uh for the Game Boy Advance, and you know, she was a character who was coming from just a a, a town of nothing, and she was like I'm going to be the person to to do the thing. I, I know how to wield a sword and I'm going to save people because this land needs it. And she just could recruit everybody and knew what to do and made all the right decisions and all. And it was fine. The 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 stories of betrayal, the stories of sadness and all that was surrounded with the other characters, which seems to be the way this Fire Emblem is going to go in. That's the direction. Um, I don't remember the story of Awakening as much. I didn't play enough of Birthright to remember those hero stories, but I am waiting for a story where the hero makes the people or I guess makes the people who are following him or her question them. You know what I'm saying? Like, Or like you make a decision and you know, one of the units that's been with you decides to leave because of that, decision. you know, like stuff like that. Like I am curious to see when they'll go in that kind of direction where the hero isn't always so perfect and either based on your decisions or the way it's written in the storyline, you know um, maybe, maybe a story of a hero who's like, who, who has their own redemption arc where it's like, yeah, they're, what their reasoning for fighting everybody is not a good reason, but then it like becomes a good reason, you know, something like that. I don't know. They need more of that where the hero is kind of like, Hmm, I don't know about this guy. I don't know if I like this character, you know, type of thing. So, uh, that would be interesting, but so far I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep playing it. So that's fire emblem engage. I got something quick about Destiny 2. I stopped (laughs) playing Destiny 2 so I could play Fire Emblem Engage because I just can't take Lightfall anymore. I can't. I can't do it. I cannot, under no circumstance, take Lightfall anymore. I didn't finish it, so I, I admit I wonder, at the very least, if I am somewhat influenced by all the negativity that I've heard about The campaign in particular, because the the whole what is the veil thing really does bother me. I am going through this campaign. I'm shooting stuff. It feels like Destiny. It doesn't feel fresh. It doesn't feel really brand new. Strand is cool. I like the Strand. That's fun. There's some interesting gameplay scenarios in the campaign that makes use of Strand that is interesting that you haven't been able to do traditionally in destiny, but it still feels very destiny. If you know what I'm saying, does that make sense? No, it like, you know, like it doesn't yeah. go so far out that it doesn't feel wildly different. Like even with the grappling, it doesn't feel yeah. wildly different.
2: The, the grappling, I think is the best. One of the best parts of the strand kit but yeah like is a aside from the uh suspension and stuff the the kids themselves just from a tech you know standpoint they can only go i'm assuming that they can only go so far you know in differing from the way the other supers feel sure uh, but yeah it's the gameplay still just feels like destiny though that, that's not going to change it's such a
0: no 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 yeah
2: good good feeling game to play
0: so there's that so there's a familiarity of that and i've realized at this point for me for me i do like destiny's gameplay but what got me through the witch queen was the story light falls fails so bad on story that the gameplay is not keeping me. That's where I'm at with Destiny. Again, it's not bad. It's not bad. I just don't feel like I'm in a position where I want to spend my time playing the same type of gameplay that I've been playing for a story that's not going to have a payoff. And it certainly doesn't feel like it's going to have a payoff at this point. Like the Witch Queen, I was in from till the end. I I was like, this is... Not only is the gameplay great, as it's always been, but man the story keeps me coming back. I'm like, okay, I want to I want to take down the witch queen. I want to see how this ends. With the light fall, I'm seeing Osiris lose his mind all the time. Impatient, talking crazy to these people he doesn't even know over the veil. And I'm like, I still don't know what this thing is. Like, Osiris, why are you losing your mind? <laughs> like nobody else is tripping but you seem to know something none of us do literally none of us do so continually seeing that and then part of the structure of death uh, of lightfalls campaign feels very reminiscent of old destiny which is not good there are already several sequences I feel unique because of strand, but there are also several sequences that I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, I'm in original destiny. Oh, this is PTSD. Like, Why did you guys go back to this kind of setup? Um, so that sort of stuff. It's just like this, this ain't it. This, this, I, I'm just going to set light fall down. I'm going to look forward to the final shape. I, I have confidence. Bungie can get it right for the final shape. And the only reason why I have confidence they can do that is because of the Taken King, Forsaken, the Witch Queen, and in my opinion Beyond Light wasn't wasn't terrible. So those dictate to me, yes, they can they can get it right. I just have to hope that they get it right. <laughs> that's that's my only thing. I just I just have to hope cuz they see they seem to get one right and then they can't get the next one right. I would say from Beyond Light to The Witch Queen, that's been the most consistent they've been. After that, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, I I would actually argue and say that The Witch Queen up until Lifefall was the most consistent that the writing and the storytelling has ever been with the seasonal narrative, including in that conversation. Um, It just, it really is just sad that it, heartbreaking i should say is a better word that like bungie has to fail so miserably that they have to get their back put into a corner in order to produce their best content
0: but here's the thing this has been the best expansion sales wise for bungie so did they really get the message i don't know like there's enough i will I will give this credit to Bungie like they they do have their ear to the ground with the community. they listen, mm-hmm. they absolutely do, yeah, are they and, getting mixed messages though, with what the community's saying versus what the numbers are saying, right yeah i don't I don't know I don't,
2: I don't think so, um because it like a narratively aside, and when I was talking like you know, fail to get their back, you know, to produce, I was meaning from a narrative standpoint, gameplay standpoint, the game still is fantastic. Like all of the seasonal content, everything's really fun to play still. It's still a really good feeling game. And there's lots of stuff to do. There's lots of loot to chase. Um, Bungie themselves. um, Joe has actually, he's acknowledged. um, And I think I've talked about it before on the, the pod. Um, but he has acknowledged that Lightfall didn't land. Bungie knows they—they've seen it.
0: I did um, see that. Yeah,
2: yeah. They've they acknowledged it. They know that they missed the mark, and we—we we all know they—they just obviously can't say it. But this was a filler. This was not the final shape was supposed to be Lightfall, but they had to, you know, set it back, and we got Lightfall, which was the filler, and it's very obvious to tell. Um, but. The, the gameplay of it still is really good. And yes, they are going to tell us more about the veil and slowly, you know, piece together things over this next year. It still doesn't, you know, I guess, excuse the fact that they didn't put it into Lightfall itself. (laughs) You know, you don't get a pass just because you're like, hey, we're going to tell you later. Um, You should have put it in Lightfall. Uh, Yeah. But the people are, I mean, I'm still enjoying Destiny. I think at this point, those of us who are hardcore, dedicated players, um, we have acknowledged that the campaign fell short. And it's not that we've moved on. It's just that we're trying to focus on, you know. the. Well, you guys, at
0: this point, you you played Destiny for a different reason than somebody like myself. Oh, yeah after beyond light i really got into the lore and i started you know watching all the 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 bife the videos and things yeah, like vice. that and you know yeah so with the witch queen i was definitely into it um but for me like the story is the what draws me you need point. it front
2: and center you, you don't need yes. to go read lore tabs and watch bife videos. you need it in the campaign yeah
0: yeah 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 um which the witch queen did a a much better job of, of doing that Mm -hmm. stuff, which was why it was so fantastic to me. And really, I think that's why it was fantastic for a lot of people, because that was a really strong campaign. And then you had everything else that destiny does well done well, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, but with knowing that now, after playing life, I'm like, okay, I know why I play now. And, so i can comfortably just wait until the final shape yes i paid for season one and all that because i bought because i bought life and they automatically bundled (laughs) it in but it's just one of those things i'm like i I have so many other things to play that's part of it too i have so many other things to play i remember grinding out beyond light because i had never really like engaged in the destiny seasons and everything else that I had to offer at a hardcore pace. And that was literally draining. <laughs> it was yeah, so no, it is, draining it is. trying to keep up with all of it. Um, yeah. and I was like, I don't, I know I won't be able to like e- even just on a regular level, like even if I put as much time into destiny two, as I do overwatch, I'm going to miss out on stuff. And I don't really want to mess with that. So I just, I know what I am now as a destiny Player, and I'm okay with that. And and
2: and Bunchy's okay with that. Like they know that, you know. Oh yeah. As long
0: as I keep paying them, yeah. Absolutely. As long as you,
2: as long as you come <laughs> back for the final shape, that's all that you know. Matt, but yeah, they they want you to. Um, they know that there are players who hop in for the major expansions and then they go play other stuff. And they said, like, we yeah. want you to play other stuff. Like that's healthy. Um, like, don't be like the loot gremlins, like Noah, who <laughs> you know grind the game consistently um yeah i i think you will i'm i'm hopeful and i've a lot of confidence that Bungie will nail the final shape so
0: i think they don't can. let me down
2: that's all i'm asking don't let, don't, i'm
0: not i'm not confident but uh, i i think they I, can i'm confident I, that I, they can
2: i believe in them i
0: uh i do too i just there's love, enough love there's enough TV. evidence to suggest it might not land as well <laughs> as as we hope.
2: As we hope, yeah, because they got like we talked about. They they have eight missions to wrap up this light and dark saga of Destiny Two. So that's that is a tall task ahead of them.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's that's my feelings on Destiny Two at this point. Yeah. Well,
2: we'll see you in Lightfall. Or uh, final shape, I should say. Yeah, I'll, I'll be waiting. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll, um, I'll hold a parking spot for you. You know.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. That's the other thing too. I cannot seem to get on when everybody else is playing. I'm like, hey guys. <laughs> No? Okay, all right. You're busy? Oh, yeah. Not just you, like literally every person I know who plays Destiny, I'm like, okay, somehow I just miss everybody's caboose. (laughs) I just (laughs) can't The the time zones. The time time zones. Goodness Goodness gracious. Uh, So that kind of sucks. Um, Oh, yes. Overwatch 2, real quick. Real quick. This will be (laughs) fast. Um, I wanted to bring this up. Because they had two events, the Ketchamari, and April Fools. Now, Noah, we disagreed on Ketchamari, but I don't know if you played the April Fools event. I thought that was so good; <laughs> it was so good, and it only was like three days. If um, I, so,
2: I didn't play it, but didn't they just like change up the voice lines?
0: No, no, no they literally for the arcade they changed abilities and what they do so they had reinhardt out here when you do charge he can fly (laughs) you could guide him up and down (laughs) the fly orissa's little helicopter spin not only did it go faster but kind of similar thing like you could guide her around and just like fly up in the air a little bit uh anna could land headshots like scoped or unscoped (laughs) Uh, kiriko could teleport 350 meters To a target instead. And the cooldown was based on how far. That
2: sounds so much fun. Yeah, that sounds really fun.
0: Um, So the cooldown was based on how far you teleported away. So the closer, the shorter the cooldown was. Roadhog's hookshot was super long. Um, But what really made it funny was if you read the patch notes, like it played into all the wild and weird things that they were doing. And the patch notes were actually written pretty funny. Like they, they actually did a good job of writing the patch notes and making it goofy. Um it was it was fun. And what was really weird um was it didn't feel unbalanced. It <laughs> strangely worked like Winston Shield, he put it down and it would follow with him right so like he's yeah. just he going around with his shield instead of just laying it down and just stay there and you look at that and go wait why why isn't that actually how his shield works <laughs> like
2: yeah, that, it makes sense
0: it, it sounds like
2: organized it, chaos
0: <laughs> it did it was absolutely organized chaos and there were a lot of people who were like "No, some of these things should actually stay because it didn't feel like it was unbeatable even with anna I didn't feel pressured all the time. Like I didn't feel like I was just out of my zone because all I get is headshots, right? So literally if I'm not hitting headshots, I'm just playing Anna. But um, even with like Roadhog, well, yeah, you still don't need to be in front of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like essentially it's the same thing. You just have to be really far away, right? So like Winston with his shield following him. Yeah, he's a little harder to deal with, but he's still Winston, right? So, like yeah. that stuff all felt right. And it was just weird how they go this absurd thing. It all feels good. And I feel like uh Bungie uh Blizzard needs to just lean into these kind of events more. Like catch Amari. Like, it's a weird game. It's essentially kill confirmed, as we know. But it works. Like, it takes the fundamentals of Overwatch and applies it in a way that requires all those fundamentals. Comp switching, compositions, switching, all that stuff. And then, and it's kind of competitive. That's Overwatch. And then you got something that's absolutely absurd with this April Fool's event. And it's like it works. Like this Yeah. I This is the identity of Overwatch. Have the competitive stuff that's like legit competitive that fits with Overwatch and then just have absurd stuff on the <laughs> other side for for
2: other people make it a like perma perma mode.
0: Not even that. Like I don't It would be it would have been great if they would have held it on at least a little longer instead of 3 or 4 days whatever it was, but yeah, I don't think it needs to be a perma mode, um, but lean more into that with these different events. Like, get absolutely stupid with it, like because that's it's what it was. Crazy. It was absolutely yeah. stupid, and it worked. And I feel like that's that's where Blizzard needs to go with Overwatch. It either has to be competitive, like the game is, that you know, and they don't lean into that because they're afraid to, or just absolutely absurd, like they were with the April Fools' event. And it worked, even though they might have been a little concerned about how it was received. But it was received really well because it was just that extreme, which great. So that's I don't know. I thought I thought that of, was great, and I personally I like Ketchamari. I like the April Fools' event. I want them to do more stuff like that.
2: Add more fun into the game. Yeah, the craziness.
0: But that's the thing. Lean into either one. Like it's a competitive game. So create stuff that leans into that and and create patches and all that that lean into that. And then, for those who don't care about that, you can have your vanilla, you know, quick play overwatch. That's fine. But then arcade, just absurd, just absolutely bonker <laughs> stuff that just doesn't make sense, but it works because it's just so absurd.
2: He wants you to skip one through nine and <laughs> go straight to ten. that's that's what he wants
0: absolutely. Um, all right, David, wake up. You got some news for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: a fun little one. Uh, there's apparently a new Sony patent that shows a controller that can change temperature. Um, that was interesting. That. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, it would be just, I guess, part of the whole Dual Sense idea of it would like yeah. hotter, colder, or whatnot. Like if you enter a volcano, you could feel it. If you walk through the snow, you could feel it or whatnot. I, I will settle for a for a better battery life. That is what I will settle for. Uh, before you make those, you, we need to invest in a much better battery. <laughs> I don't need to feel the heat of uh, the fire of the Molotov cocktail. I just need for my controller to last, uh, and that will most assuredly kill the battery in my controller. (laughs) On to the the real news. Uh, We didn't get to talk about a couple of things last week that were big things, and especially considering this is actually still going on right now, and I knew that Anthony would have a lot to say on it. Uh, Multiverses. It was announced last week uh, that The game was going to be going offline, and now it has been pulled completely from digital storefronts. I believe that you can play it until, if I'm not mistaken, June, sometime in June for now. Uh, But as soon as June rolls around, it's going completely offline for at least six months, uh, possibly longer.
0: Yeah. You got a question for me? What are my thoughts? A, what, are,
1: what are your thoughts on this? Because, I mean, I, I've, I've got a couple, and we probably match up a bit on some of this. Well, let me hear yours first. <laughs> well, I mean, number one, this game is dead. Like, you're you're literally killing your game doing this. Uh, people aren't just going to sit back and be like, okay, cool, I'll see you in, you know, eight months. But that's not how gaming works. The next big thing comes out, steals all your thunder, and uh, unless you just launch a just this magically different game which i highly doubt you know this that's it like you've you've lost your momentum secondly people paid money for
0: this okay well on that first thought though what momentum do you have when you've lost 99 percent of your player base yeah right so if it, it is i guess an anomaly for a game that is pretty much out most people forgot it was even in open beta. I forgot. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I played. Oh, everybody did. <laughs> and. You know, they're like, okay, thanks. We're, we're going to shut it down and come back with even better, which fine. They can do that because they already lost 99% of their player base. Imagine if Overwatch did that. Then the game would die. Yeah, but multiverses was already dead. So, so I feel like this was a smart decision for them. Just shut, shut it down. The the one percent that are playing, thank you, appreciate it. You're gonna come back more than likely when we have even better stuff. And so I think what they'll do is they'll, and we'll see how this works. I think that's the risk. We'll see how this works, but they're gonna come back and have a plan to make it a fanfare event so that feels brand new so it feels like a new destiny 2 expansion it feels like a new call of duty season it feels like you know something fresh brand new again y'all got to come check this out look at the stuff that we did i think there is a element to that that it could work if they do that
1: Well, I you guess don't agree? My, uh, well, <laughs> eh, it's one of those things if I, I understand they've lost a lot of people and stuff, but you're just like out of sight, out of mind.
0: Well, yeah, when you're yeah, out of sight, you're out of you're mind, you yeah. kill it. They and, know and, nobody's looking at it, but if they come back with a big enough blast, yeah. a marketing blast, then they're in mind again. Right. Like, I mean, that, well, the, that's how marketing works.
1: But the other issue is people spent a good amount of money. On this game and uh, nobody was thinking you know we could go eight months to a year without being able to play the thing we paid money for like so that, it's not that's, true that that's, that's you can't the other play it. issue
0: it's not true that you can't play it you can't play it online so you don't lose anything you lose absolutely nothing so you can't play it online um but you can still access certain modes the lab um you could Still play against computers if you want to. Um, so the main crux of it, yes, the online stuff, that won't be there because it's obviously offline. But you don't lose anything that you paid for. Everything will still yeah. be there when you return. So you're not you're not losing anything. Thankfully, that's the case. Um, so when they, all the glemium that people paid for that is unspent, they said it will be back when the game comes back. So you're not losing anything on that front either. Um, so at first I was thinking the same thing, but knowing that I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, you essentially keep everything that you bought. Should you still be interested in the game? Which that's how all life service games work. So that's, that's, that's fine. I think yeah. that's fine. Well, it's,
1: it's still the vo- whole vaulted almost idea.
0: No, it's not vaulted. It, you
1: have it. it. It is. I don't have it for eight months. There's entire sections of the game that are completely unusual for eight months.
0: Yeah, if the game
1: ever comes, if they don't just decide to sunset this entire game at the end of it. I mean there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee this thing comes back. We know what live service
0: is. You're right. Yes, but it's not vaulted in the same way you are referencing Destiny 2. Like it's vaulted. There's an
1: entire gameplay that I can't do. I can't spend any of the credits that I have purchased. And there's a chance that I may never get to spend those credits. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's once again, it's consu- the consumer's money. Like you vaulted the opportunities for me <clears> to be able to use it.
0: That, that is, that is assuming with the idea that Warner brothers is going to say, no, kill it. I don't think that's the case. They're saying January. I don't want, there's still a based chance. On what we've seen. Yes. There's a chance. What do you think the percentage is?
1: I think it's 50-50, to be honest with you.
0: 50-50? You think it's 50-50?
2: This man says
1: uh, Warner 50/50. Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers <laughs> killed a Batgirl movie that they'd already sunk almost $100,000 into. They're not looking to spend more money on things right now. Uh, they're not looking to spend more money on something that lost 99% of its player base.
0: But if you can have the pitch to Warner Brothers that... We had a great start. We know people will pay into the things that we have. All we need is content. Give us some time to build some content. Bills give us a little time to build a pipeline. If I'm Warner Brothers and I saw all that money that came in, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Sure, yes, you go ahead. This is your last chance. But here,
1: I don't. I don't think Warner has the money for second chances.
0: What do you mean they don't have the money? They already made a whole bunch of money off of multiverses.
1: That (laughs) they probably already spent.
0: Maybe, maybe not. We don't know that. I would say it's a 20% chance this game does not come back, but I feel like it could be even lower than that. I just don't think it's vaulted in the same way. I mean, I can't access
1: at least half of the game, if not more, for six months.
0: Yes, correct. I, I would
1: not be. I would not be happy uh, as yeah. a as someone who paid money to okay. suddenly not be able to use it.
0: That's how. That's that's all live service games. Like that's this one is what. What
1: live service like, game have we had that just shut itself off completely for six months?
0: Again, this is unprecedented. We have not okay. had this before. Okay, <laughs> but if any live service shuts down. You lose everything. That's how they all that's that's the point I'm saying. That's how they all work. So you always run the risk of any of your money being spent. That's how this goes. If you don't go into a live service understanding that that's a you problem. That's not a them problem. So in this case, they're saying, We're coming back. Everything that you've bought, it's going to be there. All the gleaming that you've bought, it will be there. We're coming back. Any? Did Knockout City say we're coming back? Nope. Rumbleverse tried to imply they're coming back. They're not. And even if they do, it's going to be a completely different game. right? These other live service games that have shut down, they're like, no, we're done. Multiverses is saying, no, we're coming back. We have a, this is what we're doing. And it was technically an open beta, so they kind of did have an out with that. So that's fine on them. I I don't see I don't see a reason why it doesn't come back. It was successful. Yeah. The reason why they lost ninety nine percent of the player base, which I think is weird, because the player, you know, but this is how live services are. It's because of content and lack of other modes and things like that. So if that's if that's the feedback that they got, all right, we gonna shut down. We are the last ninety nine percent of y'all. <laughs> we put this stuff back in. We give you guys what you want, more stuff, more whatever and whatnot. All right. Then you you come back. I just How do how do you not come back if that's what the people want? Okay, shut it down.
1: Vaulted. It's vaulted, man. Is vaulted. He's I come too. back
2: and my man's dropping vaulted references and I was like, I should have got popcorn on my <laughs> track. Like That
1: was, everybody keeps trying to follow this Fortnite model of being completely in beta for forever and then selling people stuff in beta. So that you got I mean, the out it's like the it's like the trainee badge that you you definitely not a trainee anymore but you like but I'm a trainee.
0: Didn't 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 Steam start all that first with some of the early access stuff or whatever they called it before? It was early early access?
1: access and beta are two completely different things, though.
0: To who?
2: <laughs> Noah. <laughs> we
0: understand that. We understand oh,
2: yeah. that. <laughs> well, I mean, I just answered the question.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm saying to who? You know. You got these regular people out here. They get a they get a chance at Diablo Four open beta. That's early access to them. <laughs> there really is no difference.
2: Yeah, yeah cool.
0: it's just where it's at in development,
1: and how and what kind of money you can put into it. Yeah, that's why I would, uh, early access tag would have made sense, but they got the beta tag in there, so they can shut it. They can vault it for six months. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Vaulted. Uh, the other big news that vaulted we had out of last week. It implies <laughs> it's not coming back. That's the problem I have with it. The, That's the, the problem I have with Vaulted. The other news we had. I what, what it bothered me is because it <laughs> implies week. it's not coming back. We know Bungie ain't bringing it might back the Vaulted stuff. It might not. No, we The not The other, the other news.
1: The big news yeah. we had last week is that E3 is Vaulted. <laughs> because god knows that thing ain't coming back i don't care how many times they say we're we're trying to figure it out we're trying to do all this we're trying to do all that we're going to come back stronger no you're not (laughs) this was your comeback stronger this was the opportunity uh it's not that the industry it's not that consumers don't want e3 in the sense of the idea of it, it's that they don't want the version of it that's being presented. So somebody's going to have to figure out what the vision is. is.
0: when I'm on,
1: I'm saying on both sides, on both sides of it. I feel like like,
0: developers and publishers who don't. Yeah. Which I was at
1: 2017 and I knew that the industry people were not thrilled already with how things were starting to go. Like, where they had started selling tickets to the expo and such because suddenly the industry was having to figure out how to uh, incorporate 10,000 fans into their presentations and stuff. And, you know, when you're used to pitching to industry, press, all that kind of stuff, you don't want to have to, uh, at least to me, I guess you could kind of use the term babysit. (laughs) You're not looking to babysit. (laughs) in those moments. Mm-hmm. And that was what was happening. You're not wanting to give away your cool, your, your freebies to people who may or may not even touch your game. <laughs> you know, at least with press, you have a chance of getting something out of them, but you ain't getting much out of a fan who just wanders up to your booth. But yeah, E3 is, uh, it doesn't matter who says that they're trying to come back. Like it's done. And it's, it's sad to see things kind of continue to end up this way. But like this, this has to be the nail in the coffin for it. Like it, it just, it, it definitely makes me trust them less from this. Like I already did not have a very high level of trust in them. And I know we as gaming trend put a lot of eggs in that basket and you know, what, it didn't work. <laughs>
0: Who, who is them, though, for you? Is it the ESA it, or ReadPop? Well, it's
1: ESA for sure. It's ESA completely on this. I think ReadPop tried. Uh, I think that ESA just said, hey, do something for us, and ReadPop wasn't sure exactly what that was. I, I think there was a, as per usual, ESA didn't communicate, so ReadPop was sitting there trying to figure out what E3 was supposed to be, and they didn't have a lot of time to do it. So Pop was stuck trying to be like, well, I don't think they want it to be packs," <laughs> And they're like, and we got to figure out how to make it E3. And then ESA was like, okay, we just want E3, and we want you to get this much money out of people for it. And as soon as people started seeing the zeros, it was like, well, we ain't going to be at E3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean I know that uh, Keeley's uh, Summer Games Fest it, it's it, it is expensive. It's not cheap. Like he he's not just going to people and asking for goodwill and he'll throw a trailer up. No, he's he's charging pretty good m- amount of money. But he can when he has that many eyes on his showcases because the Game Awards and Opening Night Live and his Summer Games Fest things have proven to be popular and he gets an audience. ESA's just lost that audience, so they would rather put money. We had a very interesting discussion about if you can spend a little bit less and go somewhere else, you're going to do that if you're getting the audience that you want. The the problem is, is for what money the ESA was probably asking, They nobody was getting the audience they were wanting. It was not worth the amount of money, even if all the big players were gone, which is that's pretty sad. Like you weren't competing with Nintendo or Xbox or Sony at these things. And it still wasn't worth the cost. <laughs> I and mean, that, that kind of tells you how badly this thing is being run or at least how badly this be- thing is being overseen by the ESA. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to blame all the read pop on it. They, they were just given a tough assignment and that, It was going to be hard. They pretty much showed up to class and had a pop quiz. (laughs) So uh, I I have a hard time blaming them for it.
0: I I, I don't I don't know if I agree with the it's a it's a problem of audience, because I think as we have seen there, there is a hunger for E3. It's there. The problem is, is how do you convince the developers and publishers that it's worth it? That I think is where the ESA can't figure it out. So they gave Reed Pop the the keys to the car, and we're also being the backseat driver, is what it feels like. So <laughs> they gave readpop the keys to the car, they're backseat driving. And we, we saw that in a quote from Reed Pop saying that they wanted to, you know, they were working with the investors and the ESA and other partners and things like that to try to make E3 work. And I knew at that point, this was, mm, what is this? This is April now. So that was sometime last year. I was like, oh, yeah, mm, this, if the ESA has any say in this, this is not going to go well. So. I'm looking at this. I'm like, all right. There was an article on gamesindustry.biz. I think it was by Christopher Dring.
1: Yeah. He's done a interview. lot of their write ups. He was actually a part of the committee who was trying to help put it on.
0: Yeah. He said a lot of the people who were listening to the pitch from Read Pop liked it. And so they were on board. But it became uh inflation. Um, it became... Uh, what was the other thing? It was uh, the look of having an extravagant event during these times. It was, we don't have stuff ready. So, he's seeing it's like, all right, this is the hand the ESA was dealt in terms of the timing was just bad. My thing is, though, we're dealing with Reed pop. Read pop puts on New York comic-con and they put on Pax, which is a nationwide event uh, happens Very in three Successful or four- too. Yeah. Read pop came, brought Pax back while COVID was coming down. You know how hard that is to convince Very. people to come to convince vendors to be there and to convince them all that it will be safe enough for you to be there and we can have this thing. That's difficult. Somehow, Pop figured it out. But you're telling me Pop couldn't figure out how to put on E3 without the same issues of COVID and other problems. Because don't forget, all the COVID stuff did create a bad economy, and yet they still got people there. People were spending money. People were flying out there, booking hotels. And so you're telling me now? Granted, yes, in different parts of the states, LA is expensive. I get that, but still, people would people would have paid. Okay, they want to be at E3. Point being, they figured that out. You're telling me Reed Pop couldn't figure this out. I'm not going to say it wasn't difficult, but I'm also going to say I don't think it was as difficult as trying to come back from COVID, right? So the hardest part is figuring out what E3 is. It sounded like they had an idea that people were on board with. Somehow, I feel like the ESA and their bad business, because they're bad business people, probably... Were strangling ReadPop in terms of what they wanted, whereas ReadPop probably would have made some compromises in order to make the event happen and satisfy the people who need to be there for the event to happen in the first place. I just think that's... I can't see it any other way. Like, People say ReadPop's communication with the publisher developers wasn't great. Okay, that's fine. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe but maybe that's how they operate. And somehow they still seem to have success with PAX and New York Comic-Con, which by the way, New York Comic-Con, enormous. Like you just don't put on New York Comic-Con. That's that's a lot of, that's all. We're talking about multi-billion dollar film industries. You know, like it's not yeah. like they don't know how to work with these huge corporations and artistic companies, you know? So it's like they they know what they're doing. So them not figuring this out, yeah, definitely not their fault, it's the ESA.
1: When it doesn't help them that the game industry, we talked about it the other day, like it, it, it's so much more secretive compared to the film industry. That doesn't help you either when you're trying to coordinate reveals and stuff and people, well, we don't know if we have this, we don't know if we have that. I mean, it, it, and like we were talking about, the ESA is just stupid. So... In the end, it it just didn't work out, unfortunately, and read Pop got caught in the middle. Is really what it kind of boils down to. I mean, it, it says a lot when you have on a earn on a. I think it was an earnings call where Ubisoft literally says, "We will be at whatever E three is." They're announced as being at E three, and they're the only people who are announced as being a part of E three. And then suddenly they're not a part of E3, and not oh, only yeah, that, we're... the day after that, that is said, they announce their show, which is a part of Summer Games Fest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't make that garbage up.
0: <laughs> no, like, uh, e- yeah.
1: ESA really fumbled the bag. It, well, they've been fumbling the bag.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the president was like, "Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did? What do you say about E3? Like?" If it happens, <laughs> like, it's like, wait a minute, if it happens. So clearly there was some rumblings in the background already.
1: Yep. Well, Schreier said that GDC, it was like always a constant thing of, we oh, don't yeah. know.
0: I saw that. Yeah. Is it happening? Uh, maybe. Um, I still think E3 can happen, but I don't think E3 can happen the way everybody... Glamorizes it. Yeah. I do think E3 needs to stick with industry and press as it used to be, because that's what it originally was. And eventually we got that bombast because publishers and developers were trying to fight for our eyeballs, press, media. They were fighting for eyeballs. So that was part of the reason why it was so bombastic. The show floor was so crazy and wild, and you know, you got your game spots and IGNs, you know, on the floor. You know, walk past these booths and it's just stuff, right? I think it just needs to go back media only, industry only. But you do it in such a way where instead of having to fight for um eyeballs and you know, press writing about you and all that, it's guaranteed. Like you're paying for the the, I won't say the access, um, but the guaranteed marketing like yep. e three the right
1: the right eyeballs
0: right the the, yes, so yes you got your game spots there you got your igns there you got all your the gaming outlets trends like your yes your gaming trends like the outlets that will absolutely cover stuff. You will be guaranteed coverage. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to work for it. You're on the show floor. You're having interviews with GameSpot, with IGN, with Gaming Trend, with poly- whoever. Like whoever's there, you're guaranteed access. Now, yes, that means that's work for you, you know, but free exposure. Free in the sense of you're paying for it, but it's the biggest event of the year. Yes, you could put on your own live stream thing, but there's, there's still something nice about this one segment, week, three days, whatever it is, that's that's the, the point. It's this one segment of time where it's just wall-to-wall video games and everybody's got their eyeballs to the screen waiting to see what kind of stuff is going to come out. Like, that is the appeal. It's It's like a few days before the Super Bowl. You know, it's just wall-to-wall coverage of the Super Bowl before it happens, and then you have the actual event, right? So similar to that fashion, mimic that in that sense. And instead of fighting for coverage, you you, you get your coverage. You absolutely get it. So you got your time slots. You got all that stuff, whatever the case may be. And you still have that festival feel for everybody else. So the publishers and developers get what they want press gets the access that they need and the consumers, the people who just are watching, they get what they want. Wall-to-wall coverage, three week, three days to a week. I'd probably limit it to three days, honestly. Keep the expense down for them.
1: Yeah, that's generally about three to four is probably max.
0: Yeah, but I, I would also say you do get rid of the press conferences. That's the one thing you do get rid of because... They can put their stuff on the internet. Right? So go ahead. Have your little Nintendo Direct, your state of play, your Microsoft presentation, whatever that thing is called, I forget. Then then you have the show floor stuff. So you 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 don't have to spend a bunch of money to have this uh press conference where you have to feel like you have to be bombastic and put on a show and all that. Which a bunch of business people try to put on a show is ridiculous anyway.
1: Oh, we've seen Peggle too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) One of the best moments in video games.
0: So miss me on all that press conference stuff. And then show floor day, you get to go into more detail about everything that you showed on your little Nintendo Directs and all that state of play stuff. So. Yeah. That's how I feel E3 could could live on smaller scale not as expensive
2: I agree
1: the the biggest question is going to be the people who are wanting to make the money off the cons con side but I'm hoping with what I I like I said agree with what you're talking about I'm hoping that that is essentially where what Jeff Keely is seeing with his Summer Games Fest live stuff because that's what he did last year. He had the show and then he had the media event on the two days where people just walked in and talked with devs and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully, hopefully that can be what's captured. And if Keeley can keep working towards that, keep growing it the way he is, Finding these ways to improve it and get more people as a part of the staff to work towards these goals, it'll it'll replace E3, which I think he has enough spite in him to make sure that it does... (laughs) That's my word. I'll be honest. Like, there was a couple times I was doing the whole... I wanted to do the whole Simpsons meme of just stop. He's already dead. (laughs) Because, I mean, my word, he's ruthless. I mean, five minutes at... Bro, you're at the BAFTAs and you're busy tweeting about E3 being dead. I got an email the very next day from Summer Games Fest newsletter that said... Summer's not can't summer video games are not canceled, <laughs> they're not dead or something. I'm like, bro, yeah, let the PR body get Wombat cold. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Seriously, jeez. Yeah, I am all for <laughs> Keely's pettiness towards E3. Uh,
1: it's hilarious, but jeez. <laughs>
0: I will say, I, I I would want the media stages back. Like that was me growing up watching GameSpot and all of them do their thing, walking the show floor, having the stages, guests come on. They have it like part of that. Like I want somebody, somebody's to do that again. Like that was so much fun, you know, just watching all that stuff happen. That was, that was part of the event and spectacle of it all for me. But yeah,
1: that's, that's the big stuff.
0: No, you you had nothing to say about E three.
2: Nah, you guys hit the uh, nail pretty much on the head uh, with everything. Especially your, I like your, um, you know, presentation. And then you kind of have like the media only. I I really I think that's the best way to go. So yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. You guys hit it in the park. That's a baseball reference for those keeping track at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah fans don't need to be there at E3 No. like if you think about how we got excited about E3 in the first place I like was from watching it on the internet so
1: and G4 or Spike TV
0: mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying or Spike yeah. TV or IGN or GameSpot or whoever like watching it on the internet like that's that's where we got the hype from so we don't need to be there like yes would it be fun to be there sure but it's when dope. I
1: was uh, when I was a third key manager at GameStop, I would take off those days, and I would yeah. plop myself down in front of our TV. I'd turn on Spike. I'd watch the Microsoft conference.
0: Oh, yeah. I'd watch the
1: EA conference. I, I'd mm-hmm. cook, actually, a big pot of just pasta, put some good sauce in there, and I'd just sit back, eat, and watch all day. Only fun thing was once internet started be once it started doing doing the different showcases, I used to have to go find Ubisoft and figure out a way to cause that was before it was easy to just throw something to your TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh Yeah. Had to figure out how to watch that. And then I think I even remember watching the PlayStation conference through my through PlayStation Home of all things. Cause it wasn't streaming directly. Yeah. <laughs> but you could do it through PlayStation Home cuz I was before that was pretty that was before you could get YouTube on your system so yeah i remember crazy stuff man just how far all of this has come the the ease of access
0: i know i remember laying in my bed in high school watching press conferences yeah oh it was beautiful cuz it was summer so i'm like i'm out of school yeah. oh yeah i got nothing to do I'm going to sit here and just soak all of it in. Oh, so much fun. You know, a good way to get the
1: public involved, like to keep the public involved with it. Um, obviously, you could do certain digital events and stuff like that. Uh, I like the idea of like what Keeley did with opening night live of watch and earn Twitch drops, like figure out mm-hmm. stuff like that that you can do. Mm-hmm. But I a also like the stuff. idea of doing... Uh, Obviously, it's not E3. We keep using that term, uh, but it's that surrounding area. Do special, like, limited runs of collectibles and stuff like that that you can buy from that week? Like, mm-hmm. a way to get... Co- you're, you're If you're looking for additional, like, revenue... But you don't want to throw on a, a con specifically. Mm. Like find a way, that's a good way to revenue is to special you can do shirts, obviously. Uh I would do limited run items essentially of this shirt is only available this week. Like mm. this is a and, and not necessarily like the E3 logo or Summer Games Fest, but yes. like <laughs> find wild. a way, like hire some awesome like indie artist that like takes your showcase specifically and, like, does a cool mashup of something. Um, statues, limited edition statues or collect Like, Nintendo, they just sent out, I think, like, a hundred Mario, or a bunch of Mario coins to people who did, like, reviews for the Mario movie and stuff. Do something like that. Like, these simple ways of, you can have some expensive merch, you can have some cheaper merch, like I said, with t-shirts and stuff, but ways to get Keep hats, consumers bottles, involved, uh, keep yeah. cons- Keep consumers engaged the way you're wanting to do in a convention hall. Because that's honestly what ESA is partially wanting, is they're probably wanting to be able to monetize like how conventions do. I mean, when you don't have vendor tables at E3 that often, like it, 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 oh, there wasn't yeah. a whole lot of just straight up vendor going and buy it. I think Ubisoft had a outside. booth that where you could... But I'm assuming that's part of why ESA wanted to sell tickets in the first place. If you get people in the door, you get them once, then you hit them the second time with merch. And if the ESA couldn't get that, that's probably why their booth prices kept going up.
0: Well, so. I like that idea. I mean, it's very reminiscent of the the the, the platform, uh, you know, microsoft nintendo and sony in terms of how they typically sell their consoles you know it's it's not the consoles that make a profit it's the accessories Yep. so i mean if e3 takes that to heart esa takes that to heart you know the con yep. itself not going to make money um it's not that's not going to be the profit the profit is all the accessories you can sell on the outside that sounds, yep. that sounds like a logical idea
1: at least, oh. that's my idea. And the thing is, is you can work with your vendors at that point. Like if a Ubisoft shows up, Hey, custom Assassin's Creed statue that is only ever going to be available that week. And there are a hundred of them. You can put yeah. a good
0: price on those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Buy them. You know, obviously the ESA gets a cut. Ubisoft gets the bigger cut, you know, um, everybody's happy. Yeah. No, that I like, I like the sound of that. There you go, David again doing his thing. Call me essay.
1: Think- Everybody yeah, else is in
0: fine. line. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, call me read Pop. I got an idea. So yep. <laughs> yeah, I know I know how to put all this together. So, um, all right. I think that's it. Is that it for news?
1: That is it. That is it. Okay.
0: All right, fantastic. Well, it was good <laughs> being back. Y'all were yeah. not feeling great last week. good. <laughs> Uh, I certainly wasn't, but feel good right now. So, um, trying to figure out is there anything going on? There's always something going on. Keep your eyes we'll, on. We'll you. always
1: find something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You got the show review coming out
1: uh, as of this recording. Show and Sherlock Holmes reviews will be up yes, as of this going so. live.
0: Pretty mm-hmm. much so. Uh, the one thing we yeah.
1: do know is that. Anthony will not be playing Destiny Lightfall. <laughs>
0: no, will not. He has um, vaulted that. I Yes. Uh well no. I, I mean I've
1: He's close.
0: He, he'll, he'll,
1: he'll bring it back out in Shelf. six months, just like I've multiverses. Shelved.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shelved is a better way to it. I feel like Does vault doesn't vaulting sound permanent? Like if you put something in the vault, you don't plan on taking that thing back out, right? Like, am mm-hmm. I wrong in that feeling? I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah. I mean, it uh, It definitely doesn't give off the vibe of coming back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's why I had a problem with you saying multiverses was vaulting. It's <laughs> stuff. I was like, <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't sound like they plan on bringing it back. Shelving it. I think if you would have said that, you would have got me. So that's, you know. Poor choice of words. (laughs) All right. That's it for us. We're done. That's it. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace.